Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel. Now, just a couple of announcements. As uh, things seem to be getting better regarding this whole virus thing, uh, you guys know the drill. And uh, we're, not, we're not strictly enforcing social distancing or mask requirements anymore. But you guys know, you do what you're comfortable with. And uh, as far as seating, you'll notice we no longer have those little markers on the seats because we figure after several months, you can do that on your own. You can figure out how to social distance, right? So at this point, what we're asking people to do is just be comfortable, be responsible, and that's enough of that. Because as our church fills up with people who are looking to fellowship, and I receive at least one email a week you know, from somebody asking if we're holding services, I'm encouraged to know that right now probably one of the most important things we can do as a church is open our doors to those who need fellowship. And it's why I gave a little bit extra time this morning to fellowship. I, I don't have the heart to break up fellowship before we get into the Word. It's an essential part of why we're here on Sunday mornings. And we have the time we need, so with that and our wonderful time of worship, let's open in a word of prayer as we begin the end of the series of studies in the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalms 148 through Psalms 150. And with that, let's open in prayer. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you now asking that you continue to keep us all healthy and safe. Continue to bless our congregation, our families, and our children as well next door in the Sunday school. Lord, we ask as we open your word in the book of Psalms for the last time in this series, uh, Lord God, we ask that you would show us the power of praise. Lord, show us the power of praise. We put so little emphasis on the power of praise because we oftentimes don't realize just how powerful it is. So I pray by the teaching of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, You would reveal to our hearts how important it is for us to praise you with all of our breath, all of our lives. And Lord, we ask that you'd enable us by your spirit to do this each and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of praise. There is a power in praise. The Bible wouldn't encourage us so much to praise the Lord if it wasn't so good for us. I think a lot of times we think about praise as something we do or have to do. I hope not, but or even something we want to do or something we enjoy doing, but we don't often stop and think that it's something we need to do. Anyone familiar with mental health issues will tell you that keeping a positive disposition, having a positive outlook on life, will radically affect you physically, mentally, socially, and completely. That's true. But what I'm talking about is even a step further. What the Bible teaches is that when we praise the Lord, we're calibrated. I love that word. We're calibrated, finely tuned to see things through the eyes of faith. Your faith will fail if you don't praise. You can read the Bible day and night, fellowship till you or here till one o'clock in the morning, and do anything that the Bible says and not praise, and guess what? It won't be effective in your life. The study of the word, fellowship, serving, all of the things we're encouraged to do, prayer even, if not coupled with a life of praise, will be empty and ineffective. 
Because what will happen is you and I, we will no longer see things the way they really are. The world is trying to shape your worldview. It's trying to tell you things are horrible and bad, and you're a horrible and bad person for thinking the things you think. The devil will come along and say, look at you, Christian, the way you think and the things you, 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 you conceive in your mind. You can't praise God. The government will come around and tell us, you know, we can be in church, just can't praise. Might catch something. You know, the, the world will tell us that it's, that it's wrong. The, the, this, the social mores will tell you it's not cool to, to sing praises and lift your hands in church. Listen, let me tell you something. The power of praise is not something you want to go without. Over these last many weeks, we've had to deal with a number of storms. And all of us have lived with some concern about our power going out, right? I can tell you, you know, I, I have backup plans. I have heaters and, you know, looked into a generator. I'm looking at these things and I'm thinking to myself, I need to have a backup plan in case the power goes out. I even have one of those backup batteries now on my sump pump just in case. Probably never get used. I hope it never gets used. But in life, if you think you're going to get through a power outage spiritually without praise, you're sadly mistaken. So here we are now to charge our batteries. You know, sometimes I'll see someone comes in and their, their phone is a little low and I'll, I'll see a little charger plugged into an outlet somewhere and their phone's sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, I guess they didn't charge at home. Right now, I want you to get your chargers out. Spiritually speaking, we're going to charge ourselves with praise. We're going to learn what praise does for us spiritually. And maybe we won't learn a lot intellectually, but I can tell you, effectually, you and I, we, today, are going to learn about the power of praise. Amen? Now, we start in Psalm 148. Here the author calls all creation to praise the Lord. Now, Psalms 146 through Psalms 150 close the entire book of Psalms by praising the Lord, the God of Israel. Psalm 148 is the third of these five hallelujah psalms, beginning and ending with that very word, hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Last week, we looked at the first two, Psalms 146 and 147. And now we look at Psalm 148 and looking at verses 1 through 6, which I want to read in their entirety and then go back over them. We read this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Obviously, the theme is clear. He's calling all creation to praise the Lord. Now, now I think we know that, you know, the sun and the moon can't in and of themselves, they're in an animate. They, they can't praise the Lord. That's not the point. This is poetry. And you will anthropomorphize inanimate objects in poetry to make a point. Like when Jesus said, the rocks will cry out if these people stop praising me. You see, the thing is, what we're being told here is the importance of praise. Now, looking over this again, I, I want to break it down for you. He's calling the heavens to praise the Lord who created them. The point is, God created them. Amen? Now, the first thing that your worldview will be challenged with today is that somehow this, this universe that we live in just sort of appeared. It just sort of happened. It wasn't created by God. 
Now, when that part of your worldview is challenged, you need to have an answer. And that answer is praise. When the world comes to you and to your children and tells you that you evolved from apes or eventually to apes, you started out with single-celled organisms, you know, amoebas and that kind of thing, paramecians. You know, when when the world tells you that, you need to praise the Lord for having created you. You need to recognize the power of praise in that situation and say, oh, no, 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 no. Where are you coming up with that? Praise the Lord, the Lord of heaven who created heaven and earth. Your answer to this world system is praise. Now, what is praise? I've defined this many, many times for you. Praise is every time we say something true about God. Every time you and I, every time we say something true about God, it's praise. You can't say something that's true about God and it be anything but praise. You understand that? The truth about God is praise because he's worthy of our praise. Amen. Looking at verses 1 and 2, I like this. It says, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him from the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly host. We start in the angelic realm in this psalm, where the psalmist calls all of the celestial beings in the heavenly places to praise the Lord. And guess what they do in heaven? Praise the Lord. They speak the truth about God One of the most essential ways they do that is by saying these three words, actually one word three times. Holy, holy, holy. Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. You see, that is the essence of the truth about God's nature. That he is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that God the Father, by the power of the Spirit, sent his Son to die on a cross for our sins. That he rose again on the third day and that he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. Amen? That's praise. You know why that's praise? Because it's the truth. We live in a world void of truth. Logic has gone out the window. You know, there was a Super Bowl commercial. I did not watch the Super Bowl for the first time in forever. I I gave up on all professional sports this year with the nonsense. But I did watch the commercials. I went online, I said, well, let me see what kind of commercials they have. Because you know what? The commercials are a pretty good indication of the culture. And I always learn a lot about our culture by watching those commercials. Some of them are funny, not too many this year. I think they, most of them just stunk. But there was one for Logitech, and the tagline was, Defy Logic. You, you know how you can interpret that? Ignore the truth. Ignore the truth. Defy Logic. Ignore... You see, logic is the essence of truth. One of the most fundamental truths in the universe, just to give you an example of this, one of the most fundamental truths is that all creation praises God. And we start in the heavens. And you need to know this, all the heavens are called to praise the Lord, and they do. Then he calls all of the celestial bodies in space to praise the Lord. Something tells me that that Mars mission, that in that control room, very few of those people are praising the Lord when they land that rover on, on Mars. Maybe some. But the truth is, why are they so adamant about exploring another planet? I saw the pictures. Look like Arizona to me. Last time I checked, there's plenty of room in the Arizona desert if you really want to move there. Now, I get the whole science thing and the exploration. I don't necessarily get the trillions of dollars to do this. But having said that, that's true science. I'll get behind that aspect of it. Okay, fine. 
But you know what they're hoping to find on Mars? Microbes. Last time I checked, that's what we're trying to get away from here. We've spent the last year concerned we might encounter microbes on surfaces or breathe one in. And they go to a planet and they think, oh, if we're really, really lucky, we'll find microbes. You see the insanity of that? Okay, so if they find microbes, here's the next thing that happens. You see? Life evolved on another planet, which means God's creation can't be true. At the end of the day, that's the agenda of the world in exploring for life on other worlds. I personally don't believe there is life on other planets, but even if there was, it wouldn't shake my faith. If there's a microbe on Mars, I'm not going to question how it got there. I might actually wear a mask on Mars. (laughs) When I think about the celestial bodies in space, I, I think about the Lord. You see, even their existence praises the Lord. That's what we read here. Notice he says, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Why can those things praise the Lord? Because he created them. And their existence praises God's creative genius and ability and power. Amen? See, that's your worldview. That's my worldview. That's not the world's worldview. When you hear the lies of the world, you have to counter that with praise, which is truth. Okay, you with me? Praise is truth about God. That's the power of praise. It's the power of truth. And truth has a power, you know. You know how you know it's powerful? Because the enemies of truth do everything they can to silence it. That'll tell you how powerful it is. And they haven't gotten the opportunity to silence it yet. Right? They haven't done it. I always uh, think of that story of Voltaire, who was a notorious person who really made it his, his intention to destroy faith and burn Bibles and get rid of you know, faith in Europe and... Uh, I heard a story, I, I assume it's true because I've heard it a number of times, but I hope it is, but essentially he had made a prediction that within a few years the Bible would disappear from human culture. What I understand is a few years later his basement uh, hosted a, a printing press that was printing Bibles. So you see, the truth prevails. And all of creation testifies to the truth. And then it goes on, and this, it sort of works from the heavens down to us. In verse 4, praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. Now, here we're not talking about space now anymore. In verse 4, we're talking about the upper atmosphere and the rain clouds. That's the climate again. We talked about this last week, the climate. That praises the Lord, too. Because when it rains, it blesses us. Even when it snows, it blesses us. All of God's creation blesses us. Do you realize when you look around, it's perfectly designed for you and I? Now, it may get a little cold at times. It may get a little warm at times. But even in that, God has created us to adapt to our environment. The thickness of your blood, the pigment of your skin, the design of your body. That's not evolution. That's God's design for you to adapt to your environment. And if you spend enough time in a hot environment, your body and your descendants are programmed by God in your DNA to adapt to your environment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's why when people with very fair skin 
whose family grew up, let's say, around the Arctic Circle in Scandinavia, moved to a place around the equator, they got to use a lot of sunscreen. But see, over time, God has designed us to adapt. That's God's perfect design. I say all this because when I see these things, rather than it shaking my faith, it increases my faith. It substantiates my faith in God. The upper atmosphere, the rain clouds, they praise the Lord, our climate. If, if one little thing was off in our environment, we couldn't live here on this planet. They've searched the galaxy looking for life on other planets, but the conditions have to be just right for life to exist. What does that tell you? Praise the Lord. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and placed him on the earth, and he created the earth for man. Let's continue. Verses 5 and 6, he sort of summarizes here. He said, let them praise the name of the Lord, the heavens, that is, for he commanded and they were created. That praise, that truth is essential to you seeing the world as it really is. Notice he set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. So God is creator. That's a very important truth. We go on here, and now in verses 7 through 12, the author calls the earth, not the heavens, the earth to praise the Lord who created it. Because when we talk about God's creative ability, we say he created the heavens and the earth. So we've talked about the heavens, now let's talk about the earth. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle. Small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations. You princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. That pretty much says it all. He's looking poetically at the earth and saying, all the earth should praise the Lord. And here's what we read that he calls all the creatures living in the seas or the oceans to praise the Lord in verse 7, right? In verses 8 through, actually, we'll just start with verse 8. In verse 8, he actually calls the stormy weather to praise the Lord. You know, it's amazing to me when I think of stormy weather, the, the real challenging storms that we have to deal with in our world, they form in the ocean. They form over the seas, off the coast of Africa in the case of uh, hurricanes in our hemisphere. But there are typhoons that form in the Indian Ocean and in the Pacific. And over the waters, these storms are created. And we oftentimes think of them as very, very bad things. And of course, they do have a destructive component. But you realize what our climate would be without these things? We couldn't exist. It's what causes the Gulf Stream. It's what causes all of the climate to to, to make it a place where we can live the planet, a, a, a habitable, an inhabitable place to live. So even those things praise the Lord because they're his creation, his design, if you will. He calls the stormy weather to praise the Lord. He also calls the mountains, the hills, and the trees to praise the Lord in verse 9. Notice fruit trees and all cedars. Fruit trees are for our eating. Cedars are for, the, for lumber and, and wood. All the things we need. Wild animals and all cattle. Small creatures, flying birds. He goes on to describe all of the creatures living on the earth. All of the creatures living on the earth. Praise the Lord. I'm still not sure about mosquitoes, but praise the Lord. <clears throat> all the living creatures we see, they praise the Lord because 
He created them. You need to go back and read Genesis 1 and see that account. It will shape and form your worldview and the worldview of your children and will help you to see things as they really are. Okay? And all the psalmist here is doing is reminding us of that truth. Then he says something very interesting in verse 11. He says, Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on the earth. Now this is interesting because now the command is to those in charge that they should praise the Lord. The difference here is all of the things we've talked about thus far, with the possible exception of the angels, they do not have the ability to do anything but praise the Lord. You understand that? We're given free will. Now, there are some angels that were and abused it, but that's another Bible study. For us right now, let's think about this. We have the option, we have the the choice to do what all of creation does. And when we calibrate, when we align ourselves with all of creation, from the heavens to the earth to the seas to the climate, when we put ourselves in a place where we're saying the truth about God, then we praise God along with all of creation. We're in sync with our world and our environment. When we don't, we become the anomaly. We become the fly in the ointment. We become the thing that's out of sync. We're the problem now because we have stepped outside of truth and are living according to a lie. And who is the liar that tells us these things? The deceiver himself, Satan. The Bible is very clear. There are two forces at work in the universe, that of evil and that of God. And the truth is, Many of our rulers, much of what we see in Washington and other capitals throughout the world, has aligned itself with Satan and the great deceiver, the deception. So is it any wonder why our governments are broken, dysfunctional, and actually do more harm than good? These wonderful policies they tout that are supposed to establish equality actually justify discrimination. It's amazing. They, 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 they take these bills, they give them wonderful names, but at the end of the day, all they do is restrict our rights and harm us as, as people, all people. I, I can't help but think of this, and I'm just going to use this as an example. I grew up in my lifetime, I was, I was born in the 60s, the number one cause, of course, was civil rights, which had to do with African Americans and other minorities. But the number two thing that I always heard about were women's rights. And, you know, for a long time, uh, as I was growing up, there was a concerted effort that women and men would be treated equally, not the same. You can't treat people the same because we're created differently. That's why we don't share the same bathroom. The thing is, I can't imagine even the most liberal family in, I don't know, Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut. Let's use that as an example. Very liberal place. I can't imagine even the most liberal family there being okay with their daughter missing out on a scholarship because a biological male, by the way, is there another kind of male? Biological male beat that daughter in a foot race. And now that child misses out on a college scholarship because of that. I can't imagine that family, even a very progressive liberal family, being okay with that. And by the way, I thought we were trying to make it so that men and women were treated fairly and equally. I thought, what happened to that? 
You see, when we step outside of truth, and God's truth is that he created two genders, one of the most... One of the most obvious scientific facts is that in nature there are two genders. I mean, that's, that's, that's without question. Don't tell me there's hundreds of genders. Where are you getting that junk from? I mean, come on. I remember going to science, you know, biology. I mean, there's two genders. Now, there's some organisms that are, you know, I guess asexual. But we're not talking about a paramecium here today. We're talking about human beings, So you see what happens in our world? They start to redefine truth. That's called deception the last time I checked. So we have to call that out. Praise the Lord. He created them male and female. Oh, what a hateful thing to say. The truth is never hateful. It's the truth. I'm not going to defy logic. The truth of the matter is, God's creation is created according to his will. And when man has allowed himself to be deceived, he no longer praises the Lord, and then everything blows up, and then we wonder why that young girl can't go to college on a scholarship. Because it's ridiculous. Now, I just used that one example of the kind of insanity that's coming out of our capital. I could go on and on. I'm not going to. The point is, I think we all know what the truth is. You may be afraid to say it. You shouldn't be. You really shouldn't be. I might get fired. Do you really want to work in a place that thinks there's 70,000 genders? I've lost track of how many there are now, according to them. Don't defy logic. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we'll move on. When the rulers of the earth refuse to praise the Lord, they align themselves with Satan and the evil in the world. And when you sit by and don't preach the truth or praise the Lord, you're complicit. You understand that? You're going to let kids grow up today thinking these things are true? I hope not. So when it says here, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, praise the Lord. That's where they're supposed to be. Sadly, many times, most of the time, almost all the time, they're not. It goes on to say young men and maidens, old men and children. Now, this is basically saying... All the people living on the earth need to praise the Lord. Not just the rulers, but all those living on the earth. And so when we live in this way, according to God's word, okay, when we, when we live and praise the Lord according to his word, we're in sync with his environment, his creation. Rather than defying logic, we're preaching the truth. And I think when we understand that, things will go much better for us. Let's move on. The closing here in verses 13 through 14 is a recap. The author calls now the heavens and the earth to praise the Lord. And he says it this way in verse 13. Let them, that is the heavens and the earth, praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn or a strong one, a strong leader. The praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart, Praise the Lord. You see, this is all about his people and all the heavens and all the earth praising the Lord. All creation praises the Lord who is worthy of praise. All his people should praise the Lord. And he has raised up a king, a strong one, a horn, a power to lead them. Who is that? That is our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are many that came before him that 
foreshadowed him. But when we talk about the strong one that he has created, raised up, excuse me, raised up for his people on horn, he's raised up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to lead us. Now, he isn't here right now. He's coming again and he'll set things right. But this is a king who is to be praised by all his saints, his chosen people, Israel. You see what happens when we live according to those truths? Everything will go well with us. When we step outside of those obvious truths, we allow ourselves to be deceived, and pretty soon you'll believe anything. The idea that you can identify as something and be that something simply because you identify it is from the pit of hell. It's a lie. What if I identified as an eight-foot basketball player? No, I'm not 5'6 or 5'7. I'm eight feet. Well, you don't look eight feet. I'm eight feet. Hey, shorty, you can't call me shorty. That's hate speech. Oh, and you have to let me play in the NBA. I am eight feet after all. You see what happens? I'm using a silly example to make my point. Okay, we get to Psalm 149. In Psalm 149, now that we know that all creation praises the Lord, that the truth is not negotiable, once we understand that, and that telling the truth about God and his creation, according to his word, is praising the Lord, and by the way, lying about it or being complicit when others lie about it is not praising the Lord. Let's move on to Psalm 149. Again, starts with praise the Lord. This psalm is all about God's people praising him. Israel in this case, but us as well. Here's what we read. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Then he goes on in verses 2 through 4. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. You see how essential the truth of God's creation is to praise? I'm going to go so far. I'm going to say something a little controversial. If you don't believe that God created you, can you praise God? If you believe that you evolved from single-celled organisms, are you even capable of praising God? I don't know. You answer that question. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. God's people being encouraged to praise. Calling them to rejoice in their creator and in their king, much like the previous psalm. He calls them to praise the Lord. Notice with dancing, singing, and musical instruments. Now, this isn't like Footloose, but... I do know this, that, that you can praise the Lord through dancing. Now, now listen, there's, there's no dance floor here. But you might catch me kind of going back and forth a little bit during a praise song, especially this morning. And we would never do anything that was really distracting and bizarre. But you can move in praise. Okay? It's okay. The little kids know that. They do. So there's that. And then there's singing. And believe it or not, there are some churches, for whatever reason, have decided that it's okay to sing, but not to musical instruments, or only to organs or pianos. I actually attended a seminar years ago 
It was at Hawthorne Gospel, too. And it wasn't a Hawthorne Gospel seminar. It was just there. And this individual inflamed my fury as a musician when he suggested that the sanctified beats in a 4-4 measure are the 1 and the 3, but the 2 and the 4 were satanic. I left after that. So that basically means, are you ready for this? That means if you tap like this, you're going to hell. So you can only do that really white clap. It's okay to say that. You can, you can joke about white people. It's okay. It's not racism at all. So it's totally sanctified. Break into this and you're going to hell. When I heard this, I thought to myself, something's wrong here. Something's dead, really wrong. Oh my, I don't even, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm just going to say this about music. It's a big part of my life. I've always loved music, but I've been playing music since I was 10. Play several instruments, most of them stringed instruments. David played stringed instruments. David danced, by the way. You know, my wife and I, years ago, we started taking ballroom. And there were people that were offended by that. Oh, well. So what I understand about this is that I'm to make music to him. Notice tambourine. Tambourine. I know some of you aren't Pentecostal, but the tambourine's in the Bible. And the harp. Wow. Now, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, the answer comes in the next verse. Look at verse 4, first part. For the Lord takes delight in his people. It doesn't say he takes delight in the tambourine or even the dancing, or the musical instruments. He takes delight in his people. You see, when your heart is for praise, and you're so filled with the joy of the Lord that you're crying out and singing and moving around, and you have a, he's delighted that you know the truth, speak the truth, submit to the truth, live the truth. He's delighted for you. He delights in his people. Notice what he does for them. He crowns the humble with salvation. The humble. Notice he resists the proud in the scriptures, but he crowns the humble with salvation. Why is that important? Because the Lord delivers those that humble themselves before him. So if you're proud and you stand up and say, I don't believe there is a God. Well, you're wrong. And you're proud. And you're rejected by God, not because you have to be, but because you choose to be. But we praise the Lord. Amen? And then finally in verse 5, let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Now, I like that because, you know, the only time a person in the ancient world was on their bed is when they were going to sleep pretty much. I mean, you know, this is the idea that when you go to sleep at night, that you should have a heart for rejoicing and singing praise. I'm going to tell you something. They, you know, you, you, you see this commercial, they have this Bible and sleep app. I thought to myself, a Bible and sleep app shouldn't be the same thing. Like, there should be a sleep app and a Bible app. But the Bible shouldn't put you to sleep. But I'll tell you what, praise can do this. Praise can set your mind right and your heart right so that when it is time to go to sleep, you don't have insomnia. Why? Because you're not anxious. 
You're not worried. Why are you not worried? Because you know the truth. And what is the truth? That God created all things, sustains all things, and loves you and sent his son to die on a cross for your sins, who rose again on the third day and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Right there, that, that brings a peace. They won't interfere with your sleep, but in, in fact, will probably enhance that sleep. Well, we go on now to this next section, verses 6 through 9. Here the author prays for the Lord's saints to be used by him who, to bring judgment on the earth. What? Yeah. Have you ever noticed, and, and maybe this is just me, but I don't think so. How do you feel when you see some of these things we've been talking about? When people say things like, well, abortion is, is health care, it's not murder. How do you feel when you hear that? How do you feel when someone tells you that you, you can't use he or she, you have to use they or them? How do you feel? How do you feel? Because I can tell you how I feel. I feel violated. Because I know the truth, and I'm being asked to bow to what is a lie. Okay? That's how I feel. But the problem here is that we have all these feelings of justice, What's right? And if you are a Christian and you know God's truth and you praise the Lord, it infuriates you to live in a world where you know the truth and people lie. It drives you crazy. And sometimes you lose your cool. You shouldn't, but sometimes you do. Here's the reason why you can praise the Lord. Because a day is coming where he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And we participate in that judgment. The day will come where we'll get to say, no, no, that's not true. Praise the Lord. The day is going to come where we want, I'm not going to keep going and using examples because I'm just going to get myself aggravated. The, the, the day is going to come where we're going to be able to look at all the garbage and the nonsense that our world is telling us is normal and we're going to be able to say, no, it's not. But that day isn't today, sadly. But that day is coming. And we read about that day in verse 6. May the praise of God be in their mouths. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? That day is coming. And notice, may the praise of God be in their mouths. And a double-edged sword in their hands. You guys know what the double-edged sword is. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, we're told, the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6, it, we, we were told it's the word of God, which is the double-edged sword. The double-edged sword in their hands. To what? Inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with iron shackles, and to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his saints. See, the day is coming when we get to Pronounce the truth of God with him present. And there'll be no debate. There'll be no filibuster. There'll be no discussion about whether or not the truth of God is true. And in that day, we will see God come again to set things right. So that overinflated sense of justice that you have, it's normal. It's a normal response to knowing God and living in this dark world. What you have to do, what I have to do, what we have to do, is not act in our own strength like Christ, but wait for God to act in his strength and then to act with him. But the way you feel is totally justified. 
It should infuriate you. That lies are held up as truth. It should. So what do you do? You praise the Lord. Are you with me? That's the power of praise. He asks, the psalmist does, as he tells us we're going to be used to bring judgment on the earth. He asks that they would praise God and be armed with his word. That's why we're here today, amen? To praise God and be armed with his word. That's what this is all about on Sundays and on Wednesdays. He asked that they would inflict the Lord's vengeance. Notice, not ours, but the Lord's vengeance and punishment on the peoples of the earth. In his time, in his time, we'll be a part of that. He asked that they would capture the rulers on the earth and bring them to justice. And no, we're not talking about storming the capital. We're talking about the world being put in the hands of our everlasting king. That day is coming. It's not today, but it will come. And he declares that bringing the Lord's judgment on the earth is the glory of his saints. And then, of course, he ends, as all of these psalms begin, praise the Lord. Now, finally, closing this up, Psalm 150, I find this so encouraging. Part of the power of praise is to be encouraged, and I'm encouraged today. See, we're talking truth here today, and there's a power in that. In exposing the lie and preaching the truth. This is God's house. This is where God's truth is preached. If it's offensive to you, if God's truth is offensive to you, it means you're unsanctified and unredeemed. Okay? Because if you know God, then this truth won't be offensive to you. It it shouldn't. God's truth is God's truth. It's not my truth, not your truth. It's his truth. I love this psalm. It's a good one. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbal or resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And of course, the theme of the book of Psalms is praise. They're songs of praise. This, the last, the very last psalm, in it the author calls everyone to praise the Lord, those in his earthly sanctuary, and those in the mighty heavens to praise him. Notice he says it this way, in his sanctuary, that would be here in in, in the sanctuary, but in in, in Israel would be the sanctuary of the Jewish temple or the the tabernacle, Uh, in his mighty heavens as well. That's the heavenly sanctuary of the Lord's presence around his throne. He calls them to praise the Lord for his greatness and his power. Notice in verse 2, why do we praise him? For his acts of power, for his surpassing greatness. There's good reason to praise the Lord. We don't just praise the Lord when you get a raise. Oh, I got a raise, praise the Lord. That's about you and praise the Lord. But we can praise the Lord even if you get fired, you can praise the Lord. And then he calls them to praise the Lord with a variety of musical instruments and even with dancing again. So this should make clear that there really are no restrictions. I've heard some people say you shouldn't have drum sets in church. You know, cymbals, well, cymbals, drums, all of this is, is, is here. So once again, that's God's truth. I get the impression <laughs> that sometimes the Lord likes it loud. So I look at this and I think to myself, well, you know, That's what we do here on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays as well. We praise the Lord according to his word in Psalm 150. And finally, he calls every living thing, every breathing thing, 
to praise the Lord. Are you living? Are you breathing? Then you're called to praise him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's been such a great series of studies as we've studied the Psalms. We've learned so much about what God desires of our hearts. And, you know, it's kind of interesting as we've studied those, you get to this place where you're like, yeah, those things are true. What kind of crazy world are we living in? And then you see the answer. It's that God's going to bring judgment in his time. So what do we do in the meantime? Do we let the world make us nuts and crazy and act like they do and say some of the hurtful, discompassionate things they do? No, 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 not at all. We praise the Lord. And as we praise the Lord, we preach the truth. And as we preach the truth, the world hears it. Some will hear it. Some will receive it. Some will hear it. Some will reject it. But the truth is the truth. And I refuse to defy that. I'm going to continue living in a world, not of my own making, but of God's. I'm going to continue living as God's creation and praising because at the end of the day, he has designed each and every one of us with breath and has given us breath that we might praise the Lord. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and this encouragement from your word in these last three Psalms. We now just open our hearts to all that you would have us to receive in this time of praise. And we ask that as we go into a dark world, that the world would see that we are not bowing down or kneeling to the thinking of the day, to the the given relative morals of this moment, but that we understand that you, by your power, created all things, including us, and you designed us for a relationship with you. And though we have sin, you've made a way for sinners to come to know you and to have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, who again died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day. And that to as many as received them, to those that believed in his name, he's given them the right to become the children of God. We ask, Lord, for every heart here to be open to that truth, to be your children, to live for you, and to wait that day, await that day that you come again to judge the living and the dead. We ask these things for your glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen.